Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of Truth to Power here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting from the top of the historic Hayburn building here at 106.5 FM. And we live stream to the world at forwardradio.org. We encourage you to go to that website and become a part of our community radio station as well. We can't do this without you. Both your volunteer power and your uh, listener contributions keep us on the air. So please go to Forward radio.org and consider becoming a part of it. Maybe you want to propose a topic for our weekly community conversations here on Truth to Power. We'd love to do that. My name is Justin Mogg. I uh, also host the, the show Sustainability Now. And joining me as usual to co-host this week is Hart Hagen from Let's Talk and the Climate Report, heard every day on the station at 7 p.m. Welcome, Hart. How are you this afternoon, weekend? Uh, I'm doing great, Justin. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, too. Uh, I actually thought it was going to rain all day, but I actually got out in the gardens today, so I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the environment today and specifically about something known as the forever chemicals. Uh, we're going to dive into some science today. I'm really excited about that. Um, we're going to talk about something you may have heard of. Uh, it, it has gotten some media attention, but not nearly enough, and that's why we're covering it today on Truth to Power. Uh, it's it's a group of chemicals known as PFAS, P-F-A-S, or polyfluoroalkyl substances, and they're a group of uh, anthropogenic chemicals. Uh, according to the EPA, these include PFOA, PFOS, a chemical called Gen X, not a generation, but a chemical, uh, and many others. Uh, they've been manufactured and used in a variety of industries all around the world, including the U.S since the 1940s, uh, and we've never really understood what the impacts of these chemicals are, but we definitely understand that they persist in our environment and that they persist in people, too, and other and other species as well. Uh, folks listening may be aware of this issue from the recent film that was out called Dark Waters uh, about PFAS in the Ohio River Valley, and we're going to talk about that as well. We've got a bunch of special guests in this virtual studio today that I want to introduce to our listeners. It's going to be a great conversation today. Uh, we have three local experts. Uh, let's start by welcoming Tina Halbig. Welcome, Tina. Thank you. Tina, Glad to be with you. Yeah, Tina is a L alum uh, who studied uh, medical technology at UofL. Uh, she's also a microbiologist, virologist, clinical lab scientist, and a retired L researcher. Uh, and uh, she also helped found the Floyd's Fork Environmental Association, amongst many other accolades. Tina is a really amazing powerhouse, uh, so we're glad to have her. The other co-founder of the Floyd's Fork Environmental Association is Sharon Lear. Welcome. Welcome, Sharon. Hi, it's great to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. Uh, Sharon uh, has is in her 60th year now of working in laboratory healthcare and medicine and has studied the health impacts of chemical poisoning. So it's great to have someone with so much expertise joining us today. And uh, at the other end of the generational spectrum, we're really delighted to have on the air with us Satchel Walton. Welcome, Satchel. Thank you. Thank you. Satchel, Satchel is a junior at DuPont Manual High School who is a journalist, reporter, and author, and you can check out his reporting on PFAS at thegreenreport.org. So uh, I also should start out by letting people know that all of this that we're going to be talking about today is a, a little preview of a great event coming up on Tuesday, October 20th, uh, that we invite all of our listeners to participate in. It's going to be virtual, so it's easy for 
anyone with an internet connection, and it's free from 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Uh, in recognition of the 75th anniversary of the United Nations, uh, because Tina Halbig's also involved in the United Nations Association of, uh, of America, the Kentucky Division. Uh, this is also the 72nd anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and we're going to be talking on that day about two of the U.N. Sustainable Development Goals, both gender equality, uh, the, the goal number five, uh, and number six, clean water and sanitation. And that's where the PFAS come in. So the program's going to start out uh, talking about human trafficking issues, which are also super important, but we don't have time to talk about today on the show. Uh, but you can hear about them on October 20th. Uh, and then it, starting at one uh, twenty, we're going to hear uh, from Satchel and from Tina about PFAS. Uh, and so you can learn more. Uh, I've posted the link uh, for, for anyone to, who wants to register for the event or, or get the link to join uh, uh, at uh, louisville.edu slash sustainability under the events page. Uh, so let's start in uh, with talking about this uh, this documentary. There are documentaries about forever chemicals. Uh, Tina, you want to talk about that issue first? Uh, what are some of the documentaries that are out there? Well, um, the movie Dark Waters uh, is really uh, just packed full of the history of what has happened and the journey of Rob Billot, who took 20 years to represent a farmer mm. where he normally represented the big companies. Mm. But this farmer, it's sort of a David and Goliath battle <laughs> yeah. in which DuPont is is the the huge conglomerate <laughs> and uh the farmer has a head of 300 cattle and he loses 190 of those cattle to horrible deaths and um it's um that was a settlement and then he goes on to represent 3500 people in a city of 70,000 people uh to win a 670 million dollar um, win for for them. Um, we are no different than they are. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Satchel can talk about um, North Carolina and what has happened there. And um, here, it just seems to be uh, uh, no one is looking at this problem, and it is a monster. Right, right. Uh, so much industry in our Ohio River Valley. This is quite a legacy we're still living with. Well, well, Satchel, I'll, I'll ask you, when did you first become aware of this issue of PFAS? Right. So I'm a student journalist at DuPont Manual High School, and we had to do an investigative reporting project last school year in the spring. And uh, my group was working on water quality, right? Um, and so I narrowed in on this issue of PFAS chemicals because I saw articles from North Carolina and there were tons and tons of people paying attention to this issue. There were protests, there were community town halls, there were hundreds of articles in the newspaper, biggest newspaper in Wilmington, North Carolina. And then there's also a study uh, from the Environmental Working Group that sampled um, cities across the United States for uh, PFOS chemicals and found that the city with the second highest level of this chemical Gen X, uh, the one the people in Wilmington cared about so much, was uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And we weren't that 
far behind uh, right? Wilmington or Brunswick County, I believe, in North Carolina. And so I just thought it, and I, I'm into the environmental circles in Louisville, and I read the news, and I just never heard of it once, and I thought this was shocking. Wow. And, and, and how about you, Sharon? When did you first become aware of this issue? Well, actually, the uh, particular chemicals, the PFAS and PFAS, it was really, Tina made me aware of it, and Satchel, because my current position is to identify tumors and see, like, the origin of the tumor, what type of tumor it is. And so the chemical relationship between tumors is very, very interesting to me. But then as a water quality and trying to protect Floyd's Fart Creek and the waters and the people and the and the wildlife who use the water, they the wildlife drinks the water and the uh, people sometimes, even though they know not to, they swim or wade in the water and uh, have they have a good time. And yeah. but, you know, when you know that waters, they look beautiful, but there's chemicals and on a different subject, we did do some chemical testing a long time ago in uh, the Floyd Spark Environmental Association, where they uh, found uh, the uh, beta ester diol was in the uh, contaminant in the waters. So knowing all of this and then knowing also that now we know that Roundup is associated with lymphomas that's mm. come out by the attorneys and everything. You, we don't want more people subject to tumors, cancers, all types of other health issues that have been uh, identified with these chemicals that we're talking about today, the uh, PFAS and the PFAS. So it, it would be nice to have actual chemical testing done, just like on the animals on the farm that died so that you know, but they do know that this is in the blood of people. So that's one way to be able to do the testing before you get the cancer or even after you get the cancer. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to know if there's ever been any testing of Floyd's Fork or any, any Louisville waterways for PFAS. Does anyone know? Well, the Louisville Water Company has done testing for, what, a satchel a couple of years I believe they've done testing since the EPA started requiring them to in 2014 or 2015 um, for P PFOS and PFOA, and then for GenX the last couple years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing that we would like to do is to have the Louisville Water Company disclose this on their bills to let the people know what they are finding in the water. These are unregulated chemicals. Mm and they won't be regulated until Congress passes a bill. There's one specific bill, H.R. 535, PFAS Action Act of 2019, that has passed the House uh, last year. It was to the U.S. Senate in January of this year, and uh, calls need to go into the senators, uh, Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul, and um, they can call the White House operator at 202 225-3121 and ask for their office and leave them either a recorded method message or talk to staff. It's pretty hard to catch them personally, but you can always call you back. Look. There are other bills in as well, but that particular bill would cause these to be called dangerous chemicals and uh, would 
force the USCPA to set regulatory standards to hold accountable. And um, anyway, it would do quite a bit to help. Uh, of course, you'll have a pushback from the big companies. That's why the public needs to speak up. I just want to briefly mention there is a HR 2377 protect drinking water from PFAS Act, and uh, that would amend the Safe Drinking Water Act, and also HR 2605 Protect Act, which is Prevent Release of Toxics, Emissions, Contamination, and Transfer Act of 2019, because these very PFAS chemicals are hazardous air, air pollutants and they're not being tested for. So they're not just uh, water pollutants, but they're air pollutants as well? That's right, it's in the air. This is actually, you know, can be found so many locations. I don't know if some of you wanna mention some of the locations, but they could be found just all over many, many places uh, in the water, whether it's surface water, groundwater, streams, even rainwater, your drinking water and your wastewater in soils and sediment and biosolids, the air emission, as we mentioned, at airports, industrial sites, electroplating. Find them on the carpet in your house, on your furniture and the wiring, in your clothing, anything that's waterproof, that's like a raincoat or any water repellent fabrics. The Teflon, any of the cookware like that. And it was in 1975 that a University of Florida researcher found the found these chemicals in his blood and he was close to by 3M, contacted them and sure enough, um, he was he got that from being within proximity. But also it's found in food and food wrappers, you know, whenever you get a hamburger, your popcorn bag, uh, any paper coating companies, uh, fish, uh, consumer products, dust, firefighting foams, and on military bases and things like that. So it's all over, it's everywhere, but where we can remove it, where we can make a mark, where we can help is to remove it before the person puts it in their body. Our bodies are over 60% water and it's very important. Yeah, no, that, that's a great, gets a great summary. Uh, it sounds like it's everywhere. Right, <laughs> um, <so> ubiquitous. <laughs> it's ubiquitous. Uh, and so even if we suddenly banned it tomorrow, it's going to be around in our environment for a long time. So uh, it, se it seems like all of us are getting low-level exposure to PFAS. Uh, and and I, I imagine that's where a lot of the uncertainty lies is we don't know the health impacts of low level exposure. But do we are there studies out that show the health impacts of acute exposures of, of, of high levels of PFAS? Uh, I, I would say yes, that there have been some military studies. There was one that that the government gave forty thousand dollars to do. And uh, yes, they find the problems. In fact, uh, the Environmental Working Group uh, of more recent has said testicular, uh, kidney, liver, and pancreatic cancer, uh, weakened childhood immunity, low birth weight, endocrine disruption, increased cholesterol, weight gain in children, and dieting adults. Um, the other, the Center for Disease Control, outlines a whole host of health effects associated with PFAS exposure, including cancer, liver damage, decreased fertility, increased risk of asthma and thyroid disease. Does that sound like Louisville? <laughs> <laughs> so actually what we're looking at here is a massive public health threat. And uh, these human uh, health 
these exposures can be through food or water, dust, air, or consumer products. And they can build up in your body and remain in the human body for many, many years. They call them the forever because uh, they can, some of them can be around for thousands of years in the environment. But whatever we can do to clean it up, especially before you put it in your body, would be very important for your child or for your grandchildren or for yourself uh, so that you don't end up spending all your money and all your time in a doctor's office and you can enjoy life more and have better quality of life. Um, so, you know, are you saying there's a way to avoid these chemicals? Uh, you can, uh, yes, I mean, you can actually uh, have um, your own home water filtration, but I mean, it's expensive, mm. but you can actually have carbon filtration, reverse osmosis and anion exchange treatment. Uh, but, but also it's up to the companies like, and most people don't understand that the Morris Forman wastewater treatment plant that sets on the Ohio River, um, every day the wastewater treatment plants, the sub-regional plants, are uh, processing, but they are processing and treating the supernatant and the solids that go down to the bottom. Those are suctioned off and transported by big tanker trucks down to Morris Foreman treatment from all over our county. It goes to Morris Foreman for them to treat the solids. So these chemicals can be removed by charcoal filtration and reverse osmosis. And the membrane then that, the, you know, once it's full or whatever, then they would uh, do incineration at a designated and approved place. I mean, I've talked to MSD and they said, well, you know, they wouldn't know how to get rid of it, but it's very easy to find out how to get rid of it. You know, Satchel, do you want to tell them what the, the Louisville Water Company had to say? Sure. So in the process of writing my article, I uh, talked to some independent scientific experts. Um, I was concerned about the levels we were seeing of some chemicals like PFOA's water that were exceeding uh, CDC recommended levels. But the Louisville Water Company didn't seem terribly concerned about it. They said generally science coming in and that um water Central, we might have to come back to you but we can continue with uh, uh tina and sharon we're talking here on uh, truth to power on forward radio with me justin mogg and hart hagen about forever chemicals known as pfas polyfluoral alkyl substances a group of uh, anthropogenic chemicals that uh, includes PFOA, PFOS, Gen X and many others that are just everywhere in our environment and in our consumer products today everything from your Teflon pan to your uh, food wrappers uh, so it's it's really uh, it's it's really pervasive in our environment and uh, causing uh, a variety of cancers and other uh, common uh, diseases that we're seeing today. I think I, I think a lot of people are aware that like people are sicker than ever before, but yes. but, but people aren't making the connection to the pollution. Like it, it's, right. it's it's like we're putting all this money into solving mm -hmm. the back end of the problem. Like how do we make people healthy again? There's all mm -hmm. this all this research into like you know all, and all these people organizing. You know every every weekend uh, pre COVID there'd be another run to fight cancer, right? Like well that's great, but is any of that money going to keep these pollutants 
humans out of our environment in the first place or to even understand the impacts of these all these chemicals on our health and and so that's where i think we get it upside down is we're, we're we have this medicalized approach to trying to fix this problem which is really an ecological one and if we just got these chemicals out of our environment in the first place we wouldn't be getting sick um, so that's prevention a, is not profitable i guess not <laughs> but well the companies nobody makes making, money on that <laughs> the companies are just making tremendous amounts of money off of right. these products that they're selling and actually you know they have voluntarily uh, offered to phase out uh, things like PFOA because they realized uh, you know when when uh, Rob Billet the attorney exposed uh, that they knew that they had the studies done that showed the problems that they had never made that known to the US EPA that they did have to do that. So they started phasing out the PFOA, but then they tried to replace it because they wanted to still keep making these products. So they came up with something that was called the C8, which is eight carbon molecules that are bound so tightly together in a row that they're impossible to be broken. Wow. Therefore, this was banned from the United States. Wow. However, China and other countries are still using it and making it. And they shipped us a whole lot of PPE here for the pandemic that was loaded with C8. And so, huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, the other thing that they did was to C8, try to- is that like hexavalent chromium or something like that? Or is that something totally No, that, that was in Aaron Brockovich yeah, movie right. was the hexavalent chromium. But, um, you know, the other thing they did was they came up with this trade name Gen X for another product. But what they're finding as far as the health impacts go, that Gen X and, uh, and all, they don't look very dissimilar from PFOA, what they had before. So when, when you're talking about PFAS, you're really talking about PFOS, PFOA, or C8, or Gen X. And, you know, these uh, 3M was $120 billion conglomerate. Uh, the DuPont was making $25 billion a year on Teflon. And, you know, I purchased Scotchgard made by 3M back in the 1970s. We thought it was a miracle. Mm -hmm. And you could spray your sofa and your chair and all this and keep it from getting stains on it. Well, um, not only that, well, in the 1970s, we thought that Teflon was was a gift to us, you know, that that was just really fabulous. But, you know, it was really poisonous. And on Barbara Walters with uh, 2020, when Rob Below went there with the Environmental Working Group, they showed that Teflon, the company claims, DuPont claims that when it's heated to 500 degrees, that it's fine. But what they found cooking it on the program on 2020 was that it would, you could not cook bacon unless it was heated to 680 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> so therefore, six poisonous chemicals were coming off at that time that if you inhaled it, could go deeply and embed in your lungs. Yeah. So um, they're also in North Carolina, the Governor Cooper there made a really big difference. He created a science advisory board and also the FBI are there and looking at evidence of criminal violations of permits or regulations. So this is not the end of the story and no. it needs to be a beginning here in Louisville because 
what DuPont did, they were afraid when Billick got the $670 million settlement, they didn't want to lose their business. So a lot of times what companies do is they divest. And so they created Chemars. When they created Chemars, there are two of those. And one is right here in Louisville at 2200 Campground Road. Mm. Now, what happened when they split and wanted to save themselves, what did they do? DuPont was smart. And they gave Chemars the PFOA, the worst stuff at that time. So what's going to happen if these bills pass, $500 million will be available for infrastructure so that cities can remove these things from their drinking water and their wastewater. If I could make a a comment, like big picture, Noam Chomsky and Ralph Nader talk about the, uh, you know, the precautionary principle, better safe than sorry, but that's not what governs our, when a company wants to introduce a chemical, it's like the chemical, you know, there's hardly anything keeping them from introducing. The burden of proof is on the consumer. The burden Mm -hmm. of proof is on the person that gets sick decades down the road. And some people don't even know what made them sick. So we could have a public policy that puts the burden of proof on the company. You have to prove this is safe before you uh, introduce it. So, you know, we're talking about all these all these cures and fixits, and we need to, but we also need to look at, uh, you know, cutting it off of the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is where we need honesty in uh, research and not uh, lying when your animals die. Yeah. Not, I mean, you have to be upfront in every step of research and have good documentation so that you're not putting everybody else at risk when a researcher lies and says, no, this isn't hurting anybody, but still the only group of animals that's alive is their control groups. <laughs> and they, it's because they weren't even in the same room, maybe, you know, uh, with the other animals that were getting treated, then this is this puts all of us at risk. This has happened with some of the painkillers uh, where all of the animals died with the, the least amount of dose and so they took the control group this is uh, it's gone through the fda you know people were fired and uh everything so we need we need really honest research well corporate america is entirely ethical aren't they (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean to me that's our argument for more public research right i mean we really can't trust these companies to right Test themselves. Right? Science is a contradiction in terms. <laughs> when a corporation is in charge of science, or, or when a corporation is in charge of a scientist, there's tremendous pressure to lie. And that scientist might be in the corporation, might be in the university. Uh, tremendous. And they get uh, fired. The same yeah, thing right. is that you have a good, honest researcher, and they get fired because they report the honest part of it. And that's not the way it should be. And, and peer review is can you know at time not always but peer review can be a joke. It's like if this uh, if an article is published and then the findings are changed. Oh, we're going to unpublish that. We're not going to let it go through a process of peer review and commentary. We're just going to up unpublish that. You know, they did right. that with Monsanto and Roundup. And sometimes they don't unpublish it. You know. Uh, I uh, had an experience where I tried to duplicate somebody's research and had all kinds of problems. And when I finally went face to face and met them, I said, oh, I'm so happy to meet you face to face. I said, I've tried this and this and this. And he says, don't 
don't ever try that again. It'll never work. He said it worked one time and it never got it to work again, but I went on and published it anyway. Yep. Uh, this is not ethical. You get it to work one time, then you be honest and say, I got it to work one time. <laughs> but, you know, I did not get it to work again. And of one. This is how, how it did not work yeah. more, more than one time. And it, it, you have to be very, very honest and upfront with this. Yeah, because people's lives are on the line here. Uh, I, I want to bring Satchel back into the conversation. Hopefully we can hear from him now uh, and, and hear a little bit more about the, the, the water quality testing. That's that, that, What did you learn about that here in Louisville? Right. So when I was writing my article um, last spring, I did a public records request, um, which after I harassed them a lot, uh, Louisville Water yes. Company um, turned over their... Um, testing records for all sorts of PFOS chemicals. Um, and what what exactly that. are they testing now? This is the water coming out of, uh, in yes. our taps, basically, right? They're testing the filtered drinking water is what I was looking at most. And they were also testing the um, source water from the Ohio River. Oh, so, you could, so you could compare and see basically right now, um, their filtration systems do next to nothing to get rid of any of the PFOS uh, chemicals. Uh, it's essentially the same levels of Gen X, of PFOS, of PFOA, and the Ohio River, and in your drinking water. Wow. Um, and sh so the records combined with my conversations with independent scientists um, and reading lots of studies about it showed that there are concerning levels of some of these chemicals, dangerous levels even in Louisville's drinking water, such a, that... Um, especially um, PFOA, even though it's apparently not being dumped into the Ohio River anymore, they're called forever chemicals for a reason, and they stick around, right? Um, the levels exceeding CDC guidelines and levels many times higher than um, guidelines from independent scientists and environmentalists at, say, the Environmental Working Group or the um, National Resources Defense Council. Well, let's drive that point home. How persistent are these chemicals? When were they phased out, uh, no longer being dumped in the Ohio River? Do we know? Well, the problem is, even in North Carolina, there are tons and tons and tons of sediment that mm. have these chemicals in them. Right. So they're leaching out all the time. You know, uh, That's why I think that we have some of the levels here is we're receiving uh, Cincinnati and, and the others that are coming downstream to us. But, but why this is such a sleeping giant, why no one is looking at it, why there are no articles, 640, art, was it 640 or 460, Satchel? It's 460. Articles in North Carolina in the Star News, and here we have nothing, Zippo. Uh, I also want to offer that Satchel, Sharon, and myself spoke virtually for three minutes a piece at uh, uh, not too long ago for before Metro Council. Hmm. And the silence was rather deafening. Yeah, I imagine they're all, uh, well, Is we don't know anything about this and we work, wouldn't know, you know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, so, but there was a phase out, right? I, I just want to, I don't know if anybody knows the dates on this, but uh, the, the, according to the EPA anyway, PFAS chemicals, PFAS chemicals are no longer manufactured in the U.S. as a result of a phase out, including the PFOA stewardship program in which eight major chemical manufacturers, manufacturers agreed to eliminate the use of PFAS 
PFOA and PFOA-related chemicals in their products and as emissions from their facilities. Do we know about? Has that been decades now? Is this or is this that that is, that is true? But again, these are very persistent in the environment. Right. What right. was already made is still there. Yeah. It's still here. That's why we need to be removing it. Right. PFOA. That's true. They. DuPont started phasing out PFOA um, from its plants in 2006 and introduced Gen X in 2009. Uh -huh. um, but the other PFAS chemicals, PFAS is a large class of chemicals with many thousands right. of them. Um, and that's, that's not true that they're no longer being manufactured in the U.S., any of them. Uh, they did ban, uh, you know, the C8, um, and and also where I was talking about that first split that Dupont had. They also more recently in uh, April 2019 split off two more companies, Dow Distribution and Corteva. So they continue to divest themselves, and actually it is up to the company to do the testing of their chemicals. Were DuPont really failed and hid what they what they found for five decades from the public until Rob Below, the attorney, was the hero who uncovered this, but was buried under mountains of boxes of papers that he had to go through to find the key things to expose this. And so, yes, the companies are afraid and they're trying to, you know, hold back, but yet they're developing other chemicals that they're finding People a lot of these are very similar like and they have similar effects, health effects. You know, we're looking at a massive, you know, public health threat. Satchel, I got to ask you, you go to DuPont Manual High School. Is this the same DuPont family? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. How do you feel about that? How do other students there feel about that? Do, is there an, is there an action to try and uh, maybe change the name? Oh, I, I think I tossed out the idea um, a couple of years ago before I even knew this because of the <laughs> DuPont plants that are still, you know, not great for the air quality in the West End. But, you know, my environmentalist friends like, thought we had better things to do with our time. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, right. Yeah. Huh. I, I couldn't help but I had to ask. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so you also uh, wanted to recommend uh, a couple. Uh, well, you you all have recommended a couple things to our listeners that that I want to drive home. Uh, Tina wanted to recommend uh, Rob. Uh, is it Billet or Below? B i l o t t's book. Billot. Billot's yeah. book. Uh, it's called Exposure, right? Tell us about yes. it. Yes, yes, Exposure. It's basically the story of Dark Waters. Yes, okay. it is more in detail. Has a lot more information in it. Great. Uh, and so, the movie could get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the movie's a dramatization. And, and so. also ask people to just go and look at the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Even just the trailer of the film is great. Um, and, and then Satchel, you wanted to recommend a documentary called The Devil We Know. Tell us about that. That's right. The Devil We Know is a documentary, unlike Dark Waters, which is a movie. Um, and The Devil We Know uh, covers... C8 and PFOA and um, how DuPont basically knew for many decades that um, this would cause cancer. Um, they did rat tests with many grotesque results um, and covered it up, didn't tell anyone because they have no legal obligation to even really? then. 
um, and the EP, and it wasn't until, uh, as Tina was saying, that Rob Below or Billet did lots of investigation into it and um, sent the sent a ton of information to the EPA back in the '90s and continues these lawsuits into the early 2000s uh, that it came to the public attention at all. And now, um, and the title "The Devil We Know" refers to. Um, deliberations within um, DuPont about if they should use PFOA or Gen X in their um, manufacturing of Teflon. And they decided to stick with PFOA um, because it was the devil we know rather than Gen X, which they now claim, they now say is the easy, uh, safe alternative Mm. because it's what they're putting in our water now. (laughs) Now, we know that this chemical is also used for fighting fires, uh, and fires have been in the news a lot. Is this the kind of thing that gets deployed on forest fires? I've heard, I've heard mostly about it used at military bases, but what do we know about its use in fighting fires? Mm, I, I'm not sure on fighting fires because I think usually they use water, I think, most of the time. I don't believe that it's the foam. But the firefighting foam was created. There was an aircraft carrier that killed about 130 sailors from a fire and injured about the same number, uh, put them in the hospital. So the Naval Research Laboratory in the 1960s went to 3M and together they came up with this uh, firefighting foam. However, it is PFOA. And... uh, you know, it's found on industrial sites. I mean, I've been on an industrial site in Louisville that has a big uh, tanker thing. It's sort of like a, 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 a concrete machine, but it's on wheels uh, so that they can rapidly wheel it out to wherever the fire is and put it out. But what's going to happen is those are going to become super fun sites. You also use them at the airports. You know, they're yes. trying to save lives. And uh, firefighter training stations and military bases and naval ships. But they do have a congressional plan that Navy officials would have to identify a non-toxic alternative in the next five years. I mean, these people are only marching to the tune of what Congress is forcing them to do. And, you know, I understand the need to extinguish those, but, you know, they can use something different. So we do want to save lives and, and property, but, you know, we don't want people to die these horrible deaths and have these um, horrible illnesses, maladies, and cancers. We're speaking today here on Truth to Power about Forever Chemicals, a class of chemicals known as PFAS and uh, their persistence in our environment. You may have heard of this issue through the excellent uh, film Dark Waters, but as we're learning today, uh, there's a lot more to story the story than even that film could capture. Uh, the Devil We Know is a recommended documentary film you can check out, as well as Rob Billet's book called Exposure. Our guest today here on the program, along with me, Justin Morgan. Hart Hagen, our, your host today. We've got Tina Halbig uh, and Sharon Lear, both from the Floyd's Fork Environmental Association, and a young reporter, Satchel Walton, who's a junior at the DuPont Manual, the ironically named DuPont Manual <laughs> High School, as we discuss DuPont's uh, duplicity uh, today. And and it's it's just amazing to me that the, the, the scrutiny that these companies don't have to do to release a chemical, I mean, it, it seems like they can 
and just create whatever Frankenstein they want. And uh, uh, we, we kind of wait and see and hope it doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> yes. Uh, the problem, the problem was that this was hidden. You know, what happens is when you do the research as a company, you're supposed to report it to the government. You're supposed to report it to the EPA. And that was not done in this case. Um, while I was talking about the firefighting foam, I did want to mention that it's been linked to cancer, liver damage, harm to the reproductive system, and harm to the immune system. One of the things, too, that PFAS can do is uh, affect your immune system and also uh, whether or not a vaccine would work for you. And here at the time of the pandemic wow. and COVID and SARS, too, uh, it's very important that if a vaccine is developed, that you be able to have uh, an antibody response to that. And if they are finding, one of the findings is that the vaccine is not working well, that they've tested. Yeah, that that's a disturbing uh, side effect, I guess. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. So we're moving towards the last segment of the show. So I want, I want to think about, um, uh, I always like to try and end on a more positive note and a way forward. How do we get out of this problem? Um, obviously, some of it has to be about banning their use. Uh, but as we know, there you mentioned sleeping giants. Like these things are going to be around in our environment for a while. So how do we remove them from our drinking water or maybe even from our air? In Louisville, I think the number one thing we can do now is for a Louisville water company to look into systems to remove PFAS chemicals. Um, there are some out there, um, reverse osmosis systems and granular activated carbon systems are some of them. And they're complicated and the science is tough and they could be expensive. But I think it's with the public health risks we're looking at and the costs we're already bearing in terms of health, in terms of doctor's bills and such, um, I think it's I think it's worth it. And you know how else I know it's worth it is because other cities um, have already installed such systems. Oh, really? Cincinnati. Cincinnati has a system really? um, to filter. It's, it's you know, upriver from us. So yep. it, it has just as much, if not more, of uh, these chemicals in their water. Uh, there's a city in New York along the Hudson River that tested for levels of PFOA just a little lower than what Louisville's averaging uh, I believe, or right around what Louisville's averaging. And they shut down their wells for months so that they could install a system. But when I talked to a Louisville Water Company spokesperson, they said they're, they're looking into a plan and the you know pos future possibility for contingencies in case the science comes in and it becomes clear that their levels are unsafe and they need to do something about it. Um, but they don't have an immediate plan um, to implement a filtration system to treat for PFAS chemicals. So l l let me just be clear. There's, there is a set uh, EPA set safety level and, and Louisville waters below it, or is there no known level that's safe? There's uh, an depends. advisory. There's an advisory level. Okay. Right. So the EPA has an advisory level for PFOA and PFOS, which I mean, 
I, I don't want to say they pulled it out of their rear end, <laughs> but it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when I talked to the some independent scientists, uh, they didn't seem to lend much credence to that level. But uh, for what it's worth, Louisville Water Company is well below that level for PFOA and PFOS, although it's above been above some levels at times from CDC guidelines, environmental working group guidelines, and way above National Resources Defense Council guidelines. Do, do any of you all know how other uh, nations treat this chemical? I mean, are there European regulations, for example, and, and, and can we use those as guidance, maybe? Mm, I'm not aware of it. They're socialists anyway. <laughs> I believe it is banned and some some of the chemicals are banned in the eu because one of the things i was reading about was um that there's also a factory in the netherlands that used foa and gen x and after i believe the eu or maybe the dutch regulators banned it and now um the Kimors, the dupont spinoff is shipping some of it over to the plant in North Carolina to be dumped in this um, country where we have no such regulations. <laughs> oh, oh yes, it's all. <laughs> and also, Dupont does have other companies in other countries. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's so it's a... probably even more of a problem in places like Chinese industrial areas. Yeah, our regulations in the U.S. still remain relatively good a lot compared to a lot of nations but not 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 others right there's even better uh regulations out there so that seems like a possible way forward for me to to look at what other nations are doing but let's get back to this filtration method uh reverse osmosis or the activated charcoal would not just have the benefit of removing PFAS, right this would produce other water quality benefits it yeah it, it can remove a lot of other things too which are which would be great you know as far as the charcoal filtration, they already do that. The Louisville Water Company does that three months out of the year. Oh, interesting. And so this was uh, in the Courier-Journal back many years ago when Andrew Melnikovich was the environmental writer with the Courier-Journal. And at, back then, the water company didn't want to do it because it was going to cost 33 cents more per person. And I don't know whether that was a week, a month, a year, whatever. But uh, in North Carolina, there, when they put the removals on the citizens had to pay five more dollars and i think you said that was a month actual yeah in wilmington the water bills went up by five dollars a month after they um i don't remember if it was a granular activated carbon or a reverse osmosis system now i don't know if that would be cheaper in louisville because we have um three times as many serve three times as many people as they do but there would be significant costs. But as discussed, there we're already facing significant costs in terms of health impacts. So what are those three months and why are they only using it those three months? Probably farmers are farming and actively applying fertilizers and pesticides and different things like that. But the rest of the year, we're drinking low levels. Huh. Huh. So you're saying we might even and, have better water quality in those three summer months than... Uh, when they're not using the activated charcoal. I don't know that it's better at that time, but when Gordon Garner was the director of MSD, we knew at that time atrazine was coming down the Ohio River. So there are hormones, there are antibiotics, there are all kinds of things that, um, now I don't believe that the pharmaceuticals, uh, there's another method I think to remove, or you would have to use both of them. I've forgotten exactly. 
but um, but anyway, there are ways to remove these. It's a matter of the public even being aware. I mean, years ago, I read in the paper that in our streams, we had antibiotics and hormones and mm. things like that. And so we had students from Christian Academy that we met at Gaslight Festival that um, came to me and wanted to know about doing a project on Floyd's Fork. And so we helped them do a study on 17B estradiol, which they found in every sample that they took. And so uh, they went back, uh, they did, a, we funded a second a batch of, of tests and um, they found, um, you know, the hormone below the Jefferson Town wastewater treatment plant. And we've managed to get that treatment plant removed as we have other treatment plants yeah. in Jefferson County. But, um, you know, um, it, it uh, you know, the students were great to do that. They won local uh, science contests, the um, regional, but they didn't win the national. But, um, you know, I applaud those young students and uh, they did a great job and their information was important. Uh, they tested downstream of the J-Town treatment plant and actually the hormone increased. And I actually huh. found in research that the uh, particles uh, tended to, that the hormone tended to sorb onto the particles. And they had found in literature that that was exactly right. But I mean, they went back and they retested, they tested at intervals, you know, 60 foot, 80 foot, 100 foot, you know, and they, and they, they're, they they still correlated their values so um it was good that i found that um you know that it was correct what they did find but these things are out there we have a witch's brew and we need to get these things removed i mean would you like to know that you were taking um this or that um drug you know <laughs> by drinking a glass of water i mean you know if we want a healthy public if we want people to produce and enjoy their lives and have a good quality of living your health is the most important thing that you have and this is a way we can help everybody because the studies that were done in the united states 99 percent of the public everyone virtually everyone has these chemicals in their blood even newborn babies how horrible you know we can do better we should do better we have to do better and we have to put the pressure uh, to, uh, you know, get these bills passed so that funding will come and help. Uh, we have to encourage these companies to have a better community uh, image uh, to, to do the right thing. We have to get the community involved to demand that their health is, is primary and important. Um, you know, it's, it's just not right that people have these maladies that they may not have. They may live longer if they didn't have these problems. It's, it's just not right. And we, we, we talked about potential treatments at, at two stages, and I'm wondering, uh, just sort of to wrap up on like the best way forward, where, where we should really put our focus. You talked about treating sewage for PFAS, but wouldn't it be best to just keep it out of the source at the beginning? So if we treated it at the Louisville Water Company, we would keep it out of the system that humans are using. I mean, it would still be out there in the environment. Um, or do you think we need to treat both ends? It, both. It, it has to be both. I mean, the most immediate thing that could take place would be for the Louisville Water Company to 
to have the charcoal filtration in addition to three months out of the year, increase it to nine months. Just do it every month. You know, if there's an additional cost, let us know what it is. Let us explain to the public the problem. I mean, it costs you a whole lot more to go to the doctor's office. It costs you a whole lot more to go to the operating room. It costs you a lot of pain and suffering to heal, and it interferes in your life with what you want to do. Yeah. And and again, this is a this is a community problem. This is an environmental problem. We don't solve this by being better consumers. So the solution here right. is not, oh, I'm going to start making sure I only get reverse osmosis water which is very expensive to do right and it's certainly not to go to kroger and buy bottled water which is just tap water that's not regulated from somewhere else that also has pfos in it right <laughs> so the solution here is to as a as a community come together and in, insist that our publicly owned water company and msd uh, pay attention to this chemical and start making a plan to do something about it and to invest in invest in it right uh, this right, is this is right. not going to be solved by consumer action right yes yeah. Um, you know, one thing I would like to add to that is if we do get this uh, filtration that we're requesting for, from uh, Louisville Water Company and, and MST, that there's a specialized department or a specialized laboratory to oversee that this is actually being done and I actually see that everything is as it should and there are daily records and documentation that this is not just something that we, oh, well, we appease this group here. We, uh, we let them think that this is happening and that they're all healthy and nobody's going to have a problem in the future. Yeah. And like Tina yeah. said, we don't want spot, uh, sporadic testing. It should be on a continuous, everyday monitoring that this filtration is working as it should, and it's eliminating these hazardous chemicals. Thank and you. I, <laughs> I, do, I do want to mention that the US EPA did finalize a rule on regulating PFAS. And uh, the problem is that this rule only requires notification from importers and approval from the agency when PFAS is used as a surface coating. So. If it's not on the outside, it can be on the inside of the product brought into the United States. Wow. So that that doesn't help either. Uh, <laughs> you know, they need to be looking at what is being imported into the United States, not just on the surface. But, you know, this is the ruling now. So uh, but rulings can be changed sometimes. Well, we're, we're just about out of time. But in the last couple of minutes, we want to remind folks uh, if they want to take action on this, besides contacting our local Louisville Water Company, MSD, you want to remind us of those bills that are before Congress? Yes, uh, that is H.R. Uh, 535, and that will bring in $500 million. It will have these uh, labeled as, um, um, you know, dangerous uh, drugs, and it will have uh, standards set uh, for them. And this is uh, another item sitting on McConnell's desk right now. Not No one's taking action in the Senate that's, on this, that's right? Correct. That's correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other bill was uh, H.R. 2377 is the Protect Drinking Water from PFAS Act. And that is to have the Safe Drinking Water Act amended and to set a maximum level. The H.R. 2605 is the PROTECT Act, the Prevent Release of Toxic Emissions, Contaminations, and Transfer Act, which um, would um, 
help with the hazardous air pollutants that are coming off uh, when these uh, PFAS chemicals are being used. Uh, that you know uh, that 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 would really help a lot. Fantastic. Because what goes up in the air comes down on the ground. That's right. It's washes into the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you all so much for joining us on Truth to Power today. Satchel Walton, a journalist at DuPont Manual. What's next for you? What are you researching now? What's next for me? Well, I'm involved in the local environment, youth environmentalist communities, working on some uh, on uh, the Kentucky Green Report environmental publication at thegreenreport.org. Going to have lots of interesting upcoming reports that and investigations there, um, working with the, uh, the Sunrise Movement and the Kentucky Youth Climate Strike, some other youth um, environmental organizations to help pressure. Um, Fantastic. And uh, Sharon uh, Sharon Lear and Tina Halbig from the Floyd's Fork Environmental Association. What's next for you all is hosting this uh, October 20th event, right? Uh, you want to do one last plug for that? Yes, uh, on October 20th. Uh, we have a Zoom meeting, and I think you said that you had a link to it. I do. Um, and um, anyway, uh, it, it will be great. Satchel will be talking again, and I will give a PowerPoint as well, and he will also. And, um, you know, we invite you to ask other people to Zoom in, too, to get more information. Great. Be overwhelming, but we have to, <laughs> we have to act. Fantastic. You can find the link to that and everything else we discussed. I'll put up in the show notes for this uh, program, which you can find at forwardradio.org. Thanks for joining us today. This has been a great conversation, you all. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Great being here. All right. Be well, everyone. We'll be back in your ears again in one week's time here on Truth to Power.